everyone. Good morning. It's Wednesday, the 5th of September, 2018. Welcome back to Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the only twice-weekly podcast dedicated entirely to autonomous cars. Today, bit of a milestone with this episode 50. Germany takes on Tesla. We discuss the concept of universal basic mobility and Apple crashes. All this right now. Hey, just a quick announcement before we dive in. I just want to share something pretty awesome with all of you. So the week of June 24th, that was the final week before we broke for the summer holiday. We had had, at that time, the best week ever. The most number of listeners tuned in to listen to this podcast that week. Obviously, listenership dropped a bit over the summer break, as was to be expected. But then, the week of August 26th, when we came back after the summer break, we enjoyed a staggering 20% bump in listeners over that previous week in June before the summer break. So that's really remarkable stuff. So thank you all of you very much indeed for your support. Let's dive in and continue where we left off. First things first, though. Um, Last time, uh, we had the second running ever of our new Friday poll day on Twitter, at Autonomous Hogue, when we ran the following question. Uh, What potential benefits about autonomous cars are you most excited about? Option A, not caring about traffic. B, fewer traffic accidents. C, more time in your day. And D, something else. Tweet me. Uh, Suffice to say, I am rather surprised at the results. Um, I would not have predicted them to turn out this way. If you're interested, go on to uh, Twitter. Head over to Autonomous Hogue, A-U-T-O-N-O-M-O-U-S-H-O-A-G, my last name. Uh, Head on over. See what you think. Let me know. Tweet me. uh, Send me a voicemail on Anchor. Um... Shoot me feedback through the website. Either way, let's discuss it. I think the results are pretty surprising. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, so to kick things off today, Germany. Germany is taking on Tesla. It seems the entire country, its entire automotive kingdom, is suddenly on a mission to take down Tesla in its entirety. Because no fewer than three, namely, well, the big three, Mercedes, Audi, and of course BMW, have all announced or are about to announce or have teased in the past um, their new entrance into the electric vehicles arm race. Now, again, just as a reminder, I'm discussing this as a tangential tie-in to the very real issue of autonomous vehicles, not just electric, the notion being, again, that any current automaker developing electric cars is obviously, you know, certainly also developing autonomous systems to go along with it, because of course they are, and if they aren't, well, then they're stupid and they should go out of business. Um, But in any event, we need to talk about this because, well, frankly, the notion that Germany is out to get Tesla, of course, it's true, potentially. The fact that they're actually doing it successfully, or at least that they will do it successfully anytime soon, is, I think, uh, just plain wrong. And in any event, I think it misses a really important point about what it means to be a really good electric car, about what it means to be a really good electric car company, and crucially, about what it means for autonomy, because obviously that's got to be our focus here, right? So 
let's dive in and take a look at this. So, um, sorry, that was my Apple Watch doing its thing. Um, so you probably all saw the news. Mercedes finally released after what seems like eons of teasing its upcoming new line of EQ branded vehicles. These, of course, are their um, electric sub-brand they've just launched. Um, kicking off with the EQC. This, of course, is the EQified version, if you will, the electrified version of Mercedes' fantastic plucky little GLC midsize SUV, or if you prefer, oversized hatchback. Okay, so um, if you haven't seen it yet, go take a look. It's a really pretty car. It basically looks like somebody took a GLC from today uh, and imagined how it would appear in, say, I don't know, 10, 20 years from now. I mean, it's really pretty hyper-futuristic looking. Not in that sort of, I don't know, shall we say, infinity uh, design sort of way. Um, where, you know, it comes out today, it looks bleeding edge, uh, but then in like three days, it already looks old. Now, this looks pretty, I, I know this is a contradiction in sort of classy, futuristic, in an almost contemporary kind of way. I think this is going to look good for quite some time, including and especially the interior, which is phenomenal. Anyway, um, the point is, go check it out. Uh, what Mercedes have done here is they've, you know, f- following this really long tease of several weeks, they finally unveiled the car, and frankly, it's not even going to go on for sale until late 2019 as a 2020 model. Uh, excuse me, it's a 2021 model going on sale in 2020. Um, but the reason why Mercedes have done this, of course, is because obviously Audi have announced that they've got a fully electrified SUV coming out even sooner. Um, BMW have actually started taking pre-orders for a, an iX3, an electrified X3 SUV, uh, for which they don't even have pricing information available yet, and which won't go on sale likely for at least another two years. So, it sort of seems like all these German companies are kind of trying to play a bit of one-upmanship, if you will. They're all just trying to say, hey, look at me. I've got sort of the morest, bestest, most amazingest thing out there, or, well, not yet out there, but on its way. And while on the face of it, it appears that maybe they're just kind of competing with themselves. Really, what's going on, obviously, is they're trying to scare Tesla, or at least trying to make themselves, mm, I was going to say relevant. How about at least seem relevant? Here's the thing. Um, I... I uh, I love Tesla. Uh, um, I think a lot of us do. Uh, I, I can critique it all day long too, but I still maintain it's probably the best electric vehicle there is at any price point, excluding potentially the Chevy Bolt. But then there's a really big footnote for the Bolt, which really dives into the issue I've got here with this notion that you know Germany's essentially put Tesla on notice, as it were, because it doesn't matter, and here's why. Um, viewing electric cars, viewing the electric car sort of competition as singularly the question of how good is the electric car, that misses the point entirely. Yes, I am the first to admit that, you know, there is no model of Tesla which comes even close to the levels of detail, fit, finish, tangible touch quality, and design of any German car, including and especially uh, Audi and Mercedes. So, I guess one could say, if I'm honest, that all things being equal, if indeed, with the current state of design, I had the choice between a Tesla or a Mercedes or even an Audi and potentially even a BMW, I would probably choose one of the German electric vehicles just because, well, they're German and they have all those tangible touch points that are just so special and dear to car owners' hearts, whether they realize it or not. People crave and recognize quality, right? And by the way, this is to say nothing at all about the driving dynamic, which is a whole nother discussion, admittedly somewhat lessened 
with the advent of full autonomy and even partial autonomy. So here's the thing, though. Um, these cars aren't all equal, but even if they were, um, there's one big thing missing. It's the charging network. Because you see, what you're getting with a Tesla isn't just arguably the best electric vehicle in the world, and we'll get to the autonomy bit in a moment. Um, you're, you're getting peace of mind. You're getting this, this feeling, this notion, this, this, um, yeah, this peace of mind that you're never going to run out of juice on your batteries. You're, you're never going to have to suffer that dreaded range anxiety thing again because, oh, by the way, Tesla fleshed out this phenomenal charging network all over the world. I mean, this is an astonishing thing that they've done, and it's an incredibly, incredibly difficult thing for any other automaker to to copy, to emulate, or at least in any event to catch up on in the near term. I mean, we're talking several years, right? Tesla have been kind of rolling this out for the last several years now. Um, so this is going to take some time. Obviously, Porsche are working on it for sure, right? They've got a, I think it's an 800 volt charger they, they, they've uh, developed for the new Porsche Taycan, uh, you know, electric uh, sedan that they've developed. They've recently recently announced um but but so the point is this um and oh by the way let's not forget jaguar of course forget germany look at look at the the brits right the jaguar i-pace we've talked about it many times on the show it's a fantastic car by every objective measure it really is a great car but would i get that over the tesla um maybe i would certainly consider it if jaguar had its own supercharger network like tesla has but absent that supercharger network um, it really kind of reduces the value of any other company's electric vehicle offerings to almost zero. Um, I know what a lot of you are thinking right now, and you're going to probably critique me for saying, uh, which is this, that obviously most people are going to charge their cars at home. Having the ability to do long-distance charging doesn't really matter. Um, so I've got a couple points on that, well, two points specifically to, to rebuttal that, uh, to rebut that. <laughs> um, the first point is this, uh, you know, Getting an electric car without a supercharger network, uh, this is a bit tongue-in-cheek, I admit, but it's sort of like getting, you know, it's sort of like buying a cell phone that doesn't come with a, I don't know, with a with a charger. Okay, that's a bit off. The second most crucial point, though, is it, it it's sort of like, you know, um, hmm, you know, do, do people really need a car that can do zero to 60 miles per hour, zero to 100 kilometers an hour in less than seven seconds? Um, do they really need a car that can do more than 130, 140 miles an hour if they live outside of Germany? Um, probably not. Um, but people care about this stuff. They like to know it's there if and when they ever need it, if and when they can ever use it. So so I guess the point that I'm trying to make is, sure, I think it's probably true. I think it's probably the case that the vast majority of, of electric car owners probably will charge their cars uh, at home, excluding those, of course, who live in, in dense urban environments, and that's a whole other issue. Um, for another time. Um, but yeah, I think for most people who are able to charge their cars at homes, that is indeed what they'll do. And admittedly, even if they do go on road trips, even without supercharger network offered by Tesla, they would still be able to charge at their destinations and a few points here and there along the way besides. And having a sat-nav system that can pull up third-party charging network stations, that would, that would work. I mean, it would work. But by having that charging network provided by Tesla, the whole supercharging network around the world, that just offloads a tremendous amount of weight and burden that uh, you know that just shouldn't be there. At least not at this early stage of early uh, you know electric vehicle uptake. So, I think if only for the failure of other companies to yet 
you know, have a charging network out there. I think this is why this, this seemingly sort of this German onslaught that you keep seeing in the news, as it were, I think it's just not really that big of a thing yet. And I think it can't be because I think rolling out electric cars for a company to do that, unless and until, or at least simultaneously in parallel, rolls out a charging network, I just think it's kind of like putting the, uh, the cart before the horse, as it were. So, so that's, that's kind of a really crucial thing I think needs to be addressed. Now, let's also talk about really why this all matters from the standpoint of automation. So, as we all know, people go for Tesla for two reasons. Um, arguably, range and performance is one of them. The other of which, of course, is the autopilot capability. Now, obviously, autopilot been on the news for many, many reasons. Not all of them particularly good ones, um, not least of which occasional accidents here and there, some of which have been uh, tragic and, and fatal, to be sure. But by and large, autopilot is unquestionably the best semi-autonomous system in the world today. I'm using the word semi-autonomous very, very strictly or loosely, I guess, depending on your point of view. Uh, it's, you know, certainly level two, borderline level three-ish, and obviously Tesla working very, very hard indeed to roll out level four and eventually level five, meaning full autonomy. Get in the car, close your eyes, get from A to B. That's obviously a few years down the road. Um, thing is, though, uh, if you compare Tesla to any of the other competitors, you know, including, including Mercedes, including Volvo, and these all rolled out some pretty compelling offerings in recent years, and it seemed that they'd be fast-tracking them at a, well, faster rate than they have done. Well, they haven't. And so, so that's another reason why I think that these German car makers just aren't going to kind of, at least not yet anyway, they're not going to really be able to catch up and put up a proper fight against Tesla. Now, I know a lot of you are thinking, yeah, but look, these are German automakers. Again, you know, I'm the one who said it several times in the past, how is BMW, for instance, ever going to market the ultimate driving machine if you don't get to drive it, right? How is Porsche going to continue to claim that there is no substitute uh, for their sports cars if you can't actually drive it? I get it. This is a bit of a marketing paradox. But the, the important thing to take away from all this is that not only are we seeing that the German cars aren't up to par with Tesla for the charging network, and certainly in the Mercedes EQC case, um, also not up to par really in what appears to be just sort of objective metrics, including and especially the range. Performance seems okay. They're all about you know, right around five seconds to 60. Um, but the range down around 200 miles at best, that just, that's, that's, that's low for this price point. For this competition, that's low. Um, but yeah, putting all that aside, then there's the issue of autonomy. I mean, in, in a time where Tesla is rolling out so aggressively upgrades to its already superior autopilot system, I, for one, am particularly disappointed that Mercedes haven't done such a thing. I'm, I, I really would have expected their press release for the EQC to really bundle together, not just news of the car's design, which is fine, quite nice, in fact, uh, of its electric capabilities, which is mm, adequate, I suppose. But what about its autonomous driving capabilities? Because... Even in the glorious new E-Class and the spectacular S-Class, it's, you know, they're still lagging behind Tesla. And I just, I, I don't think it makes sense to have one thing over the other. You know, in a time where people are kind of, I think you've got kind of two, three groups of people. You've got one group who really couldn't care less or frankly dislike the idea of electric cars. Uh, and similarly, those who couldn't care less or dislike the idea of autonomous cars um, and then you've got a few who obviously like one or the other, and even fewer still who like both. 
But the best way to kind of do this is, again, what Tesla are doing, to kind of bundle them all together. And so you kind of learn as you go and you see why one or the other or both working in harmony works so well. Again, that's something Tesla has got just right. That's why they're ahead. This is what the other other automakers need to do. And that's precisely what we're not seeing them doing. So again, this could go on forever. This is a really large discussion. Uh, but I think the big takeaway here is, you know, really this question is, you know, is Tesla in jeopardy from the German automakers? Are they, you know, has this onslaught begun? Or as, you know, Master Yoda might have said, you know, you know, has the autonomous car war begun, so to speak, uh, to f- paraphrase him, uh, you know, so let me know what you think. I mean, this is a really big discussion. Uh, again, write me in through the website, leave a voicemail on the anchor.fm platform, tweet me. Uh, what do you think? Let's just put it like this. The question is, is Tesla in danger? Um, is its relatively, relatively large recent stock drop a sign of things to come? Is it in danger from the German automakers kind of taking away its light? Let me know, and we'll talk about it soon. Hey, just a friendly reminder, for those of you enjoying this podcast over at iTunes Podcasts, please don't forget to leave a five-star rating, and optimally, if you please, a written review. I'm pleased to say that since this podcast got launched back in February, I've managed to maintain a solid 5.0 star rating. Now, obviously, the more ratings and reviews I get, the better this is for me. So if you haven't done it yet, please don't assume you're off the hook just because somebody else may go ahead and do it. I really, really appreciate and really need all of you to do this. So please head on over. Do that real quick right now before we continue. I'll be here when you get back. Thank you so much. All right, so there's a really great article I want to discuss with you. It's written by Alex Roy. You can follow him at AlexRoy144 on Twitter. Uh, He's got an article which appears over at 2025AD.com. The title is Forget Universal Basic Income. We Need Universal Basic Mobility. Do yourselves a favor. Go read this article. It's incredible. Um, For those of you not familiar, the concept of universal basic income, UBI, is a notion that governments should provide Uh, its citizens with, well, basic income to meet the most fundamental basic human needs, food, shelter, healthcare, that kind of thing. The idea being that if you keep more people from suffering off the streets, um, well, this betters not only them, but society as a whole. I'm giving the super short, glossed over version, obviously. Uh, This has been studied for decades. It's a really, you know, there's really powerful arguments both ways. Um, But now the idea is, what about universal basic mobility, UBM? The idea being that, well, you know, in a modern society, you know, if you can't, if you can't have access to mobility, if you can't get yourself made to be, it's essentially catastrophic, not just for you, but it turns out for society as a whole. To use an analogy, um, it's kind of like how certain Scandinavian countries, I'm not certain which ones, I want to say perhaps Norway, perhaps Sweden, perhaps it was Finland, rather, uh, have said that, uh, you know, high-speed internet is a basic human right. The notion being that Access to information, generally, which of course now all comes through the internet, is a fundamental human right. So, so, so this this article really touches on something that's that's really fascinating, right? So, check this out. Um, as Alex writes, "quote unquote," freedom of movement has never been accompanied with a right to mobility. Governments built infrastructure, but you still had to buy your own horse or car. So think about that for a second, right? Because if your mind kind of goes where, where I've been going, which is this, electricity and water, right? I mean, it's kind of like arguing that governments 
you know, they'll build the power lines and the water pipes, but, oh, by the way, you've got to provide your own electricity and your own water. I realize that analogy is not quite on for many different reasons, but let's just kind of run with it for a moment, because certainly if you take a bird's eye view of a freeway anywhere in the world, a congested one at that, I mean, admittedly, the flow of cars through those roads and tunnels and over bridges, and, you know, that certainly seems to at least kind of emulate the flow of water through pipes or electricity through power lines. I mean, one could argue that, you know, if society is going to provide the infrastructure, then it should also provide the actual means of using that infrastructure. Again, power lines without electricity, water pipes without water, wouldn't really do very much good for society as a whole, right? So, so keep, you know, bearing that in mind, the question becomes, well, what do you do? Um, first, let's start with the issue of why this is so important. So we've uh, well, we, we've talked a few times on this show about the importance um, for the elderly, for the disabled or otherwise handicapped who are unable to get themselves made to beat. This isn't just a, um, you know, a personal uh, difficulty. This ends up being a very real professional problem as well. How do you get yourselves to and from work? But what Alex points out in this article, which is so just, I mean, this is really important stuff, right? He says... You know, and I quote, a parent who spends four hours a day commuting means a child deprived of critical family time, a worker too tired to be effective, a human being without downtime, end quote. So, I mean, there are just manifold problems, serious catastrophic issues with a society in which many people don't have the ability to get from A to B. I don't have the numbers in front of me here, but... Um, as many of you probably know, a big reason why many voters, at least here in the U.S., don't actually get out to vote is because they can't get to the voting site. Either they can't get there because they're incapable of getting there or they can't get there because it'll just take so long, you know, uh, that, that it's just not practical to do so. You know, uh, so, so this is really this is really awful stuff and there needs to be a solution. Now, obviously, no idea what that solution would be. Um, you know, as Alex says in this article, you know, what form would that take? Now, in quite possibly the greatest um, reference to one of the all-time greatest science fiction films of all time, he says, maybe it's as simple as a Lilu Dallas Multipass, in a wonderful reference to The Fifth Element, um, in which he says, you know, this, this Multipass would be compatible with every... Uh, mobility as a service provider on Earth, and we would let the free market fight it out above some sort of mobility floor. Uh, so the idea here is that indeed you would, everyone would just get kind of this pass, this multi-pass that would be accessible for everything. For those of you here in the San Francisco Bay Area, you're certainly familiar with our Clipper cards. These allow you to ride the the ferries across the bay, uh, take certain buses, train systems, certainly the BART. Um, so. You know, and certainly other cities around the world have similar things. I guess in London, the uh, the Oyster card is usable not only on the on the tube, but on various other uh, forms of transit as well, right? I think. <laughs> um, and in any event, the, the the idea then is to have this sort of um, this pass then, which would work with everything. I mean, so one of the big problems, though, of course, is that I guess there there have been experiments in the past where you give things to people. You know, here in this case, imagine giving people cars, even small autonomous runabout cars. What's to stop somebody from just selling it? Well, obviously, I guess you could deal with this legally, I suppose, where they don't actually own it, so they can't sell it in the first place. Okay, sure. But then you've got this whole issue with like a gray market, a black market, and so on and so forth. There's a lot of difficulties here that need to be sorted out. So, obviously, I have no idea what the solution is. I haven't really sat down, um, smashed my head up against this long enough. Um, but it's a really critical thing. It's a really fascinating thing. 
Um, so let me kind of throw this out to all of you. Um, let's figure this out together. I mean, let's put all our heads together and figure out how is this going to work? How are we going to provide as, as societies? How are we going to provide some form of universal basic mobility? Um, I guess the way we should do this is submit your ideas. No, no, one idea per submission, please. One idea per listener. Submit your ideas to me through the form submission on the website, markhogue.com. I suppose you can do it through Twitter as well. Uh, just tweet me at autonomous hogue. Um, once I get some of these, if I get any of these, I don't know, maybe you guys don't have anything to provide. Let's see, but I, I, I trust that you will. If I get enough of these to warrant um, a fully fleshed out discussion, not only will I discuss these, but you know, if there's any really, really good ones, I'll see if you'd like to kind of do an, an episode uh, segment with me on the show live. So keep that in mind. Uh, put your heads together, shoot me something when you have it, and we'll see where this discussion takes us. All right, so to wrap things up today, uh, just a quick mention, you may have heard this. It uh, looks like an Apple autonomous test vehicle was struck from behind by, of all things, a Nissan Leaf, humorously enough. The Apple autonomous test vehicle, a mid-sized Lexus SUV, was traveling one mile per hour when the Leaf hit it at a staggering 15 miles per hour. Um, obviously, no injuries to either occupants in the vehicles. Uh, both vehicles apparently did suffer some damage. Um, what's notable about this, though, is this then marks officially the 95th autonomous vehicle collision reported to the California Department of Motor Vehicles. Um, this, uh, just for 2018, the 95th, this is up from 30 such reports back in 2017. So what we can conclude then is, number one, that there are indeed far more autonomous test vehicles on the roads of California. And number two, that Apple, well, congratulations, you guys have finally caught up with Waymo Toyota, GM, Uber, and everyone else who's been testing autonomous cars, well done on your first autonomous vehicle collision. Hey there, just a friendly reminder that if you're enjoying this podcast, please don't forget to head over to markhogue.com where you can now leave a written review, a testimonial on the homepage for all the world to see. And if you'd like to support this podcast, you can now do so with small monthly donations in the amount of 99 cents. $4.99 or $9.99. And to all of you who have already pitched in, thank you so much indeed. And that's a wrap. As always, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you back here on Friday. Take care. Bye-bye.